Welcome back to The Real Pilot Answers Your Questions Series 2 here on the Phobic Flyer Channel with my good friend Peter Cox. And Andy Clark. Thank you. I started learning to fly in 2013 and it took me seven and a half years to get my PPR license due to a debilitating fear of flying. I created this channel to show some of my training and what's next for my flying hobby and to prove that it is possible to overcome a phobia. Welcome to the Phobic Flyer YouTube channel. Okay, Peter, another interesting question here. Would love to take my grandchildren to see Santa in Lapland. And I know you've flown there recently. But driving on snow scares me. The idea of landing on snow and ice is terrifying. How can that be safe? Well, you've landed and I've, you've come I've, back. I've, I've so come it's back. Safe. So clearly safe, yes. Yeah. Um, firstly, Lapland, what an experience. Oh, yeah. If you have the opportunity to take young children to Lapland, it is magical. I thoroughly recommend it. Okay. Um... As for landing on snow and ice, yes, it's different. Um, the Do you have uh, sort of town and country tyres on, <laughs> <I've got laughs> on the aircraft? I've got to put the snow chains on whilst yeah. in flight, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, um, the parts of the world which suffer a large amount of inclement weather, they are superb at dealing with it. Yeah. They're not like the UK. No. <laughs> exactly. So they don't have the problem that we do. They are very good at sweeping runways yeah. and sweeping taxiways and terminal areas. They will keep it as clear as possible. Yeah. Obviously, they're on an uphill struggle continuously. Uh, yeah. A lot of the parts of the world that have this snow, it's not sort of a small dusting once in a while. They're receiving inches worth a day. So, yes, although they keep it clear, it does have an impact. Um, before we even leave the UK, I will know whether I can safely land at both my destination and my destination alternate, and if I need it, another, a, des a second destination alternate, yeah. um, because of where we're going, you're not suddenly going to find that the airport just along the road is completely clear. It's all got the same weather. It's which one's going to provide you the safest course of action. Okay. So a lot of the places we fly into that are sort of in the Arctic Circle, they will clear the runways to a certain extent. It may not be completely cleared, as in width, Lengthwise, it will always be cleared, and it may not have the best surface. But what they do is they can treat the surface, so they can compact snow into what feels like concrete, and they will apply a ridging to it oh, yeah. that will give you good braking action. Okay. Um, so, yes, the aircraft won't stop anywhere near as, it will it, as well as it will on tarmac, but we will know whether we can stop or not, because that's a legal requirement before I even take off to know that I can land safely. Yeah. So those performance calculations are done assuming the runway is in a worse state than it probably will be. And then on the way up to the Arctic Circle, we'll be in communication with air traffic. They can give us updates on what the conditions of the runways are. So it's a couple of hour flying to get up to the start of the Arctic Circle from most of the parts of the UK. Yeah. And so on the way up, you already know what the runway was like before you left. You can get an update. Other aircraft will obviously be ahead of you. Yeah. And they will have checked the braking action from those aircraft and they will confirm what the runway's like. So, yes, you can land safely. It's not all just about landing, though, is it? So no. when you've landed and you've braked... Yes, once you've come to a steering, stop, How are you steering? That's a little bit more interesting. Um, certainly the most important thing is the factor of safety of the runway. Yeah. Can I stop? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I have brought the aircraft to stop, I need to park it somewhere. Yeah. So taxiing... And most of these airports, when you read the details about what their priority is, they will clear the runway, then the taxiways, and then finally the apron. So as you taxi from the runway, it becomes a decreasing surface that is useful for an aircraft taxiing on. Okay. We do it incredibly slowly. 
We do an awful lot of what's referred to as differential braking, where I brake the wheels on one side of the aircraft or the other, and differential thrusts. Uh, I, use, if you do differential I will use thrust. one engine at a higher power setting than another. Yeah. But the whole time we taxi incredibly slowly, and we don't use a lot of excess thrust, because no. the last thing you want is the aircraft to start pirouetting or <laughs> sliding uncontrollably. Yeah. So it's very slow, very steady, but that's what we do. That's what we're trained to do. Okay. So Thanks, Peter. Get the chance. Go do it. Yeah. It's an experience and a half. Fantastic. Thank you. Can mobile phones, iPads, mobile devices, etc., really cause an issue to planes? Now, this is something that I, this is interesting because obviously my background is mobile uh, technology. So I'd be interested in this, uh, the answer to this question. Okay. Firstly, there are two reasons why we recommend that phones aren't used. Okay. Um, if we do the non-technical one first, it's easier. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want is that when the safety demonstration is being done, everyone's listening to music or playing on their phone and sending that last picture out the fl- out the window of I'm going on holiday and making sure it's on Instagram to get 300 likes by the time you land somewhere. You've met my daughter, Emily, <laughs> have you? That's all she does. She walks around with her phone in her hand. It's glued to her hand. Yep. And so if you're doing that, you're not paying any attention to the camera Absolutely. Group who are giving you life-saving information yeah. should the uneventful happen. So that's the non-technical reason. The technical reason is, yes, they can cause interference, but with lots of caveats. And no, you can't crash an aeroplane by sending a a WhatsApp message. No. Um, The most annoying level of interference is actually on the radio. Yeah. And you can experience this in a light aircraft if you've forgotten to put your iPad into flight mode before using the moving map system. You can hear it chattering away, trying to talk to the cellular network. That imagine that on an aircraft with two hundred phones, one of them is going to cause an annoyance yeah, in the headset, and yeah. it will get through to air traffic, and they don't like it at all. That's an interesting point. So, have you have you noticed that it's less now? Because GSM, the way that GSM used to, uh, they used to, the um, the RF was, I think it was compressed. It, they used to do this. Eh, 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 eh. But CDMA doesn't do that, I don't think. No, it has reduced. Yeah. But not everyone is using the latest technology. Of course, no. Um, Also, it doesn't do your phone the world of good. Well, no, because the battery will go down as well. Exactly, because as you move away from where the cellular network is based, which is on the ground, and you climb up to cruising level of seven miles up, sorry, it's not going to get a signal very easily. no, it's not. And it's also travelling way too fast. So you, at worst case, you're going to land with a flat battery, at best case, you're going to land somewhere with an awful lot of text messages saying, welcome to all the countries you flew over if Absolutely. it managed to get a signal. And if you don't have roaming on, you've got a big bill. Yeah. And in the UK, it, I, I assume it's throughout Europe as well, it's illegal. As soon as you take off and you're not on the ground, yeah. it's illegal to use a PLMN network, a public land mobile network, um, in the air. It's actually against the law. Yeah. You can't do it. So there's another reason. And the, the networks cannot handle, as you say, the speed. No. I mean, once you get above a certain height... It, it will your battery will go flat because it's constantly trying to attach to the network. But um, yeah, if you're if you can as you, as you're sort of going up through two thousand feet and maybe you will get a signal, you can cause a real problem because mm. um, anyway, yeah, I won't bore you with that. <laughs> but that was your question, not mine. So <laughs> so yeah, in um, in answer, there are numerous technical reasons. Yeah. Um, there is an issue that is most prevalent in the US at the moment, and this is regarding the five G frequency that they are using, which is different to the one we're using in Europe and the UK. And over there, it does 
create quite a major issue because it can create interference on what's referred to as the radio altimeter. Yeah. So this well, is don't a, want that. Oh, yes, I've heard that. This is a piece yes. of equipment that sends a signal from the aircraft down to the ground and it bounces back up again. Only works when the aircraft is about 2,500 feet above the ground or less. And it gives me a very accurate height. Something that's critical for an autoland. Now, 5G over in the US can cause these radouts to read gibberish continuously. Which isn't really very good. It's not any good. No. So because of this, certain airports in the US now have autoland bands because they've got 5G cellular set up around them and it will interfere with the aircraft. And it's got a notification to aircrew saying, don't trust your radout. But if you're at, it doesn't take a lot of effort to find one on YouTube where they've shown an example of it and it's just scrolling through numbers randomly. God, scary. So because of that, it's easy just to say, right, you can't use phones when you're doing autoland. Now, different airlines have different rules. My airline does stipulate that all phones have to be off if yeah. we're doing an autoland because the frequency of the radio information from the radout is so delicate and it happens to be based in the middle of the aircraft where all the passengers are around it. It could, if it created interference, be very, very dangerous. So, yes, we don't allow them on aircraft, but the rules are changing because the technology is changing. Yeah. But people still listening to music and taking pictures when they should be listening to what the cabin crew have to say in a safety demonstration. Yeah, a problem. That hasn't changed. No. OK, thanks, Peter. Does it matter what type of clothes I wear on a plane? Like, you know, could I wear a nice skirt or something? You wear whatever you like. Thank you. <laughs> um, no and yes. Uh, you can wear whatever you like. However, I'd caveat that. Okay. And I'm not talking obscure clothing. Answer. Um, don't wear anything overly tight because at reduced pressure for long periods of time, you naturally bloat and will feel uncomfortable. Um, however, if you suffer from any of the issues that can relate to deep vein thrombosis, oh, right, yeah. obviously I'd recommend wearing clothing that will provide you support with that. Uh, certainly if you're doing a long-haul flight. Um, also, if you're flying from one location to another and your destination happens to be hot and sunny, don't assume you're going to land somewhere hot and sunny. Um, specifically, I'm thinking if you're going to the Caribbean in the middle of winter and you're doing a route that's going to take you over the North Atlantic, if you prepare to land in the Caribbean, you've got your best Hawaiian-style shirt and shorts and flip-flops, and you then end up in... Iceland with a problem with the aircraft where it's now minus 30 because they're having a real really bad time yeah. you're going to be a bit cold so aircraft aren't warm at the best of times we do our very best to keep them as comfortable as possible but the controls are next to useless yeah. it's like move it one so millimeter or cold yeah one millimeter it's either minus yeah. 30 or plus 40 and yeah. is so we try and make it as comfortable as possible but wear warm clothing with layers because it's easier to take layers off and that will allow you to maintain your temperature but also be sensible. The amount of people I see that have only been on holiday for two weeks and they come back to the UK wearing flip-flops in the middle of winter. It's like you wouldn't wear flip-flops in the middle of winter, so just don't do it on an aeroplane. All right, thank you. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for watching another question and answer session here on the Phobic Flyer channel. If you're interested in how realistic the simulators are that we train in, stick around for the next episode.